This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey guys, today's show is pretty different from what we usually do here because I have some news, which means that if you're new to the show, this isn't the episode you're going to want to start with. I'd go back a few. So guys, I want to thank you. Since our relaunch at Panoply, YY has been a hit. We've won awards, we've made best of lists, we've toured, set up strangers, healed broken hearts. As Esther Perel would say, we've done a piece of life together. But here's the thing. I'm taking a break from making YY. This is going to be our last episode for a while. I've loved talking about dating with you guys. But another opportunity came up to host another podcast, and it just feels like what I'm supposed to be doing next. So I can't wait to tell you guys the big news in a few weeks. Just follow me on social media or something. But for now, I really want to focus on YOY. For this episode, I'm going to tell you guys about some other podcasts here at Panoply that I am wild about. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to close up some loose ends from the show so far. You're going to hear from past guests like... Dave number one, Randy, Bumble Mike, Mona Chalabi. We'll hear from some happy couples and once and for all, I will admit if I've had a secret boyfriend this whole time. I'm joined now in studio by Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg from the podcast By the Book. Hey, Andrea. Hi, thank you for having us. In each episode, Jolenta and Kristen live by a different self-help book. They follow the rules, they use the bizarre lingo, and they do it for two weeks straight. It's kind of like a reality show, with recordings from Kristen and Jolenta's lives as they live by these books. You know, whenever Jolenta and I talk to each other, we always say, it's not really about the self-help books. It's really not. It's about what it's like to be human. (laughs) I think it's about two things for me when I listen. I listen to it because it's about an authentic friendship. You guys are friends in real life, not just on the show. (laughs) And that friendship comes through. You know, it's fun to hear people who love hanging out together and who deeply amuse each other. And it's also a show about marriage. Oh, my God. I never even thought. Oh, my gosh. I never thought about that either. I did not think of that at all. (laughs) Whoops. Well, I'm such a newlywed. And, you know, Dean and I met on Tinder. And I never think of me and Dean as a traditional love story in any way. So some. No offense, Dean, if you're listening, but sometimes I forget you're my husband. Oh, I feel the same way. I feel like Brad's just like my best friend I've been hanging out with for like a decade now that like is always on my couch at night. (laughs) Why is he on the couch? He can come into the bedroom too, but like most of the time we're hanging out on the couch together. Okay, cool. I'm glad everything's okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, this show has definitely been hard on your marriages. Oh, yes. This thing that people tell me about marriage is that you will change and you Mm -hmm. have to kind of find a partner who's prepared to come along with you for those changes. And you guys are living these extreme self-help books. You're reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. You're doing the diet and French women don't get fat. I mean, these are extreme changes that you're going through with your partner by your side. 
Yeah. And it really forces us to think about how we communicate with each other. And frankly, when Jolenta and I are not at our best, how do our partners deal with us when we're not at our best? And how do we deal with them? Yeah. 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 We're not always at our best. <laughs> yeah. No. Gosh, now that I'm thinking of it through a relationship lens, I'm like, yeah, I just want to hear me like snap at different times at my husband <laughs> about like various other things that are stressing me out. Like, wow. Yeah. 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 And also, if you just want to have a crush on Dean. Everyone's obsessed with Kristen's husband, Dean. He's He's from New Zealand, so he's got a cool accent. Plus, he's just like the nicest person on the face of the earth. So if you want like a nice, healthy crush. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we get lots of crush letters for Dean, so I'm fine with that. I like having a husband that people have crushes on. Wait, don't you feel <laughs> left out, Jolenta? I feel like both your husbands are equally supportive throughout the show. Oh, You'll, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just, it's uh, just the accent? I think it's... I don't know. I think I it's know. partly the accent, and I think it's partly also that Jolenta and Brad have this dynamic that's a little bit more like... Whoa, 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 whoa. This is fucking bullshit. And they'll call each other on their stuff. Whereas Dean, no matter what his dynamic is like, now I want to hug you and tell you how important you are to me. That's kind of what his automatic response is to any situation is. But but can I hug you now? There are so many ways that doing by the book has changed your lives, right? You're doing self-help books. But but how has the making of a podcast impacted you guys? Uh... I think it's I have just... a job. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... That's good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Yeah. That's part of why I wanted to live by self-help books. Because <laughs> I suck at living life. <laughs> that's not true. Jolenta is so good at so many things, including living life and making everybody around her laugh all the time. But, Thank you. But Jolenta, I think that I can say that for me, it's just opened up a whole different side to our friendship. Oh, because, totally. Yeah. Because when we first met on a job... Years ago, plus our producer Cameron, we met there too. Mm -hmm. We all worked together, but we worked together in such a different way and we weren't working together on an intense project. And, you know, Jolenta and I used to just like, oh, when we'd want to talk, we would talk. And when we'd want to see each other, we'd grab a drink or whatever. But now it's sometimes up to 30 texts or 50 texts or 100 texts back and forth in a single day while we write back and forth. Right. Yeah. I think we're just like constantly talking all the time now. All the time and frequently crying. Oh, texting and crying. crying. The show could just be called texting and crying. I use really good emojis. So oh, she does. Keep an They're eye adorable. Out for those. Lots of throw up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so excited for my listeners to find your show, and we're going to help them do it. In a few weeks, there's going to be a new episode of By the Book showing up in the YOI podcast feed. I'll tell you a little bit about it before you listen. So, this is not goodbye. This is just like so long for now. <laughs> Maybe see you in a little bit sometimes. Oh, I'm going to miss you guys. Oh, gosh. We're going to miss you. We only live like a few blocks apart, Andrea. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll away. always crash that party. Yes. So. That was Kristen and Jolenta. They are the hosts of By the Book, one of the many great shows made just a few desks down from me, but not the only one. Hello, Andrea. Hello, YOY Nation. That's Sam Digman. He's another colleague who I'm going to miss terribly. He hosts a show here called Family Ghosts. Family Ghosts tells the stories of real families and what haunts them metaphorically. The way I like to think about it, a nice image I think to maybe hold in your mind is you're at dinner with your family. It's the holidays. Everybody's had a lot of wine with their meal. And people are starting to kind of reminisce and talk about things they wouldn't ordinarily talk about. And there's that one person whose story always comes up. And you always sit there thinking to yourself, can that story really be true? What actually happened there? And this is a show where people decide to find out once and for all what that story is. 
So the episodes end up focusing on family lore and mysteries, like the grandmother who turned out to be a jewel smuggler, or the father who was leading a double life. And I know it's been intense for Sam and the whole family ghost team to make the show. They end up involving themselves in these different family histories, and sometimes living family members would rather these things stay in the past. So I had to ask Sam, has working on this show changed his ideas about his own future family? Oh boy. I am somebody who is 35, and I'm not married. I don't have any children. And one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot in the year since I turned 35 is that I'm running out of time <laughs> to make that decision. Preach. <laughs> I don't know. Is that something that's come up at all on the show before? <laughs> <laughs> Please see episode number eight, number 13, number 35. Number For Sam, making the show is his way of comprehensively looking at family. I think I have a very high degree of cynicism about the long-term feasibility of the kind of relationship that we ostensibly agree to when we decide to start a family with somebody. And I have reasons to be skeptical of that, as I know many people do. I, that's not, I don't think I'm unique in that, obviously. I'm somebody who, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I want to know like how many other people they've slept with. And I want to know what happened in all the relationships that, they, <laughs> that they've been through and everything. Because if I don't know those things... You need the full relationship resume. Yeah. And and I'm aware that this may not be the most healthy thing or even the most fair thing to another person. But I know that my experience is if I don't know stuff like that, I'll make up a terrible story about what it is and I'll convince myself that that's true instead. So I'd rather just know. One of the things I fear the most in doing a show like this is I don't want people to think I'm a trauma tourist. But... I do feel like a secondary, and I emphasize secondary, not primary. The primary goal is to build empathy and tell great stories. The secondary goal is for me to expose myself to all the things that family can mean. This is your version of asking your partner for everyone that they've slept with. It's right. You're like, I'm going to ask every family I know, what's the worst shit that ever happened to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I have never understood why we in family relationships, in friendship relationships, in romantic relationships, we let these situations just kind of metastasize and become these like states of deep emotional rot. And we're like, well, that's just the way it ended up, you know, and it's time to move on. And I have always felt like, why? Why don't we just feel all the pain that we're going to have to feel in the moment of addressing everything and then find out what's on the other side. Sam Dingman, host of Family Ghosts. On a super cheesy but very sincere note, it is an insane gift to get to see you make this show every day, to pursue your vision for it with so much tenacity and so much clarity of vision and so much willingness to challenge yourself and your audience to think about what the show can be and i'm gonna fade them out here because i'm getting a little embarrassed and it's time to take a break but when we get back i have some familiar voices who we'll be hearing from like david number one i was really mad at you like in the immediate aftermath of the date if you remember 
Yes. And some final Danny advice from this guy. You got to just go out there and have fun. You got to go sleep with people. You got to get BJs and bar bathrooms. You have to go out disco bowling. You got to just have fun. You got to go to Ocean City, Maryland. You know, you got to eat Thrasher's Crab Fries at 2 a.m. going down the boardwalk, which is one of the things I wanted to do with you. And you said it was way too late. You didn't want to drive to Ocean City in the middle of the night. We'll be right back. And we're back. And I'm sitting in a strange bar in Bushwick. Are you looking for where the young kids hang out in Brooklyn? Yeah. Which seems laughable. Like Why does it girls with microphones laughable? asking where the young kids hang out. Mona Chalby and I are out trying to pick up younger guys. She's a data editor at The Guardian, and she was on the show a while back talking about her New York Times op-ed encouraging straight women to date younger guys. We came up with an experiment. So the median age for all of New York is 35.8 years, but I found this one district, District 485, where the median age was just 28.8 years. So a little bit younger than us. Not much, but still. So we put on our tightest skirts and headed to Bushwick on a Saturday night. Shall I say, at the end of this episode, you'll find out whether or not I met my husband that night. Did Mona meet her husband that night? You're going to have to wait to find out. (laughs) Maybe all it takes is just one weird bar. Okay, no, I definitely didn't fucking meet my husband. Not even close. Yeah, the bar was awful. And yeah, as soon as I walked in, I was like, wow, this really isn't the kind of place I normally go to. They were playing Disney movies on the wall, right? Were they playing playing some weird shit? And then there was a silent dance party going on. (laughs) A DJ showed up and started handing out different colored pairs of headphones to people and so I guess they were picking the music they wanted to listen to while they hung out at this bar but it was not a packed bar. That's exactly what I was going to say this is highly relevant like we showed up ready for like the young men and it was just like about nine people in a really really big space as well the bar's huge. On a Saturday night at like 9pm. Yeah also I will say that like I was sitting there very, very silently with, like, my book on ancient Egypt waiting for you. And one man started to talk to me and was like, hey. And then you literally (laughs) So maybe that was, like, my one chance to speak to someone and you fucked it over, Andrew. (laughs) I did. Sorry, Mona. But he was older and we were there to meet the young kids. Eventually, a tall, handsome dude walked over to the bar to order a drink. We leaned in, tried to guess his age. Well, he asked, what are you guys doing? I think just the fact of having the microphone there is like a good conversation starter, right? Because he was like, what are you guys doing? We were like, we're here to find young men. And he was like, well, that seems like a terrible idea. Young men are trash. And then we had a really nice conversation with him. All right. I don't know. I, if you're looking for where like all the young kids are partying in Brooklyn, and you're, it's going to get like in Bushwick direction, it's going to get very gay. Okay, so, so what are we supposed to do if we're looking for young, single... Straight men? Yeah. No, then you have to go to Manhattan. No, 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 they're disgusting in Manhattan. Yeah, they're, yeah. young straight men are disgusting, you're right, absolutely. Far enough. You should, like, no, you should exclusively look for a queer or bi or gay men. I know, but, like, why, why, why are they awful for so long? Do you know I don't I mean? know. Like, I, I, I left that camp when I was my 20s. What do you mean? You're queer? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so disappointed. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your support. 
what was interesting about his perspective is he thought young men are trash, not from the perspective of having once been a young man, which is something that I hear quite often from older men. They're like, oh, I was such a mess when I was younger. Why would you want to date a younger version of me? He was saying young men are trash from the perspective of a bi queer man who has also dated young men and was like, I can also speak from personal experience and they are trash. That's why I have met this like wonderful woman that I'm largely sticking with. How beautiful was his partner? I'm disgustingly attractive. She was like the sun. Like I couldn't stare directly at her. I just had to have quick glimpses of what she looked like and then look back at him. (laughs) Yeah. She was in her early 40s, but just glowed. Her eggs are definitely better than mine. I can just tell. She looks like she gets enough sleep. (laughs) Even if she doesn't. Maybe it's because she's having great sex with a hot man. I think that could be what it is. So the tall guy was Sean. He's 35 years old and lives in Williamsburg. And his partner was Cynthia. She's 41. And they told us that in their history of dating while poly, it's usually the straight guys who mess everything up. We learned that Cynthia only dates younger guys. You only date younger guys. Tell us why. Tell us why. Yeah, we yeah. No, I don't know. I like... I like a virile gentleman. <laughs> Cindy has an excited, uh, easily excited libido. <laughs> like, theoretically, right, you or I could have dated him. They're in an open relationship. He takes men as well as women. And he was hot. And when we left the bar, he kind of grabbed my arm a little. <laughs> Do you remember that? Look how thirsty we are. He just touched you <laughs> Every part of my body lit up. (laughs) Oh, he was. You wait until you see him. He was just like, well, you're never going to see him probably, but he was just so hot. But this is what I mean about my insecurities. I would never, like, his partner was just hotter than me. Why would I, like, the whole time we'd be having sex, I'd just be like, well, she's hot. Cynthia and Sean met online. And they started telling me and Mona, have you guys tried online dating? It's way better than trying to meet people in bars. And also... You should probably give up on straight guys. Like a decent, a decent, like intelligent, respectful person with a dick is like, you know, what, what, 10 parts per million? Like it's terrible. So how are we going to like... You're not. Give it up. And that's what Mona and I really got out of our night in Bushwick. In this patriarchal society, I feel so validated to hear a man say men are shitty because it's like, oh my God, it's not just in my head. It's so ridiculous. But there is something so empowering about hearing a man say it. I have another familiar voice who I'd like to welcome back to the show. Thank you, Andrea. It's nice to be back. It's David, who we sometimes call David Number One, because in episode three of the show, we recorded him on a first date. It was going okay, until his date invited another guy to the same bar for back-to-back dates, and the other guy happened to also be named David and was a hunky yoga instructor. It was a situation that I should have done more to stop, but instead it snuck up on all of us like a slow-moving car crash. Uh, my sister just listened to it for the first time. She she started listening to the podcast without knowing I was on it. Oh, no. And, and she got to my episode. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I've, I've also had people so at uh, restaurants. No. Um, who are sitting, who are, yes, who 
people are sitting next to me and say, you have the most familiar voice. No, that's not true. That's 100% true. Then Archie's in Bushwick. <gasps> and you had to, ex- and they said, oh, you're that guy from that podcast? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they're like, and they were also madam on behalf, which was nice. <laughs> uh, but it's just like, yeah, yeah, there we go. Wow. So did it, did this ruin your life? Has this screwed up your, your dating prospects? It did not ruin my life. Okay. It did not screw my life. It's, it's a funny story to tell. And we're good. We're good. Good. I'm sorry. Thank you, Andrea. I, I appreciate it, and I accept it. Since he was last on the show, David has done some dating. He was in a six-month-long relationship. He's had some fun hookups. But he's still out there. Looking. Are you optimistic about 2018 and, and your dating life? Optimistic about 2018? No. Optimistic <laughs> about my dating life? Uh, yeah. I guess I should have said your dating life in 2018 because, like, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Very separate. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tend to be an optimistic person generally, so I would say so. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I keep on trying to focus on me more. So we'll see how that, we'll see where that takes me. And now I want to go back to another past episode of the show, episode number 48. That was the story of Patrick and Emily, who decided to go on an evacuation date together when Hurricane Irma headed to Florida. And maybe like me, you guys have been wondering, are they still together? Hi, Andrea. Hi. Are you guys... Still friends? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Are you still dating? Yes. Yes. It's been, what, five months? Four? What? Yeah, like three and a half months, probably at this point. I think this might be the first time we've had a happy couple on the show. It's going great. I just made uh, dinner, and uh, we were about to eat. And um, I'm flying out to North Carolina to meet her parents. And then I'm excited because we're going to Haiti in February. So you're going to meet his family too? Yeah. Yeah. We're going for the carnival and we're going to see some family members and have a good time. And that's not the only happy couple we're going to hear from. I (laughs) I actually have an engagement to announce. In one way of looking at it, I I literally would not have met her if not for the podcast. Mark says he was in a funk. And for some reason, a podcast hosted by a lonely 30-something, trying to date after a devastating breakup, was the hilarious kick he needed to get back out there and try again. You have this eternal optimism that was infectious and made me want to get out there again. And I I give it all credit. Thank you. (laughs) And that is the lovely voice of Marina. They told me that on their first date, in those very first five seconds, they didn't know. That was too soon. It took longer. It it, it took about five minutes. (laughs) For me, at least. (laughs) Marina says she knew after they were done doing the 36 questions to fall in love, which we learned about with author Mandy Lynn Catron in a past episode. So there was Mark and Marina. They were out at a park outside, and they were getting ready to stare into each other's eyes for four minutes. And what Mark did, he said, okay, I'm going to set a timer for four minutes. 
but instead he he started a, a YouTube video um, with a musical background. I forgot yeah, what the it, song was. Yeah, it was Steve Reich's uh, "Music for 18 Musicians." It's one of my favorite uh, pieces. It is beautiful, and I feel embarrassed that I forgot the name. Uh, don't hate me. It's okay. <laughs> um, but he's, he started that, and the music was beautiful and was going on and on, and we were looking at each other's eyes, and I was kind of starting to feel like, hmm, this four minutes is really <laughs> getting along, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but, at the same time, I didn't want to look away or out because like I was really trying to be focused and determined to look in his eyes instead of looking away and in the end when I finally realized okay this must be way over four minutes it it turned out it was like over 15. Mark says based on the length of the song they stared into each other's eyes for 40 minutes that's kind of the time when I really realized this was something because we we stood up and we hugged each other and this is something that I told Mark already. I really felt like like I found a person that I was looking for for a very long time. It was it was a connection on a on a spiritual level, I would say. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a chance I've had a secret boyfriend this whole time? I actually asked you guys that on Twitter. And 35% of those who responded, about 250 people, think that I do have a secret boyfriend. Or you guys just click that button for fun. But come on, if I had a secret boyfriend, who could that possibly be? Yeah, can you hang on a second? Okay. Push it over a little bit to the left. You guys know Randy. He's been a regular source of fascination for me throughout the history of the show. Let me ask you something. In retrospect, should you have had me on your show more often? Probably less often. So now, the big reveal. Should we, should we tell the audience our secret? Uh, what's the secret? That we've been secretly dating this whole time. <laughs> Come on. That's not true. I wanted to date you at first, but I'm not interested anymore. Why do you think we never dated and will never date? A number of reasons. One is politics. You know, you're a real lefty Lou. Yes. And also, quite frankly, I mean, as I told you, I think it was the very first time we spoke, I grade, you asked me to give you a grade. I didn't come right out and say it, but you asked me to give you a grade. I think I gave you a B. You said solid B. That I still think you're maybe a B minus. It's been a few years. I think you're have an attractive enough face, but I think as far as you just your body isn't slamming like I typically like uh, a woman's body to look like. Physically, you're just not all there. Right. I still have natural breasts, and uh... well, it's not that. It's just the natural breasts aren't big enough. Randy says that even though he'd rather talk to me for the podcast, we're going to stay in touch. I do love you as a friend, Andrea, and I, w- I want what's best for you. And the fact you were just fired hurts because I do know you put a lot of time into that show. I was not fired. 
You know what? I may have been born yesterday, but I stayed up all night. So I'm I'm not as dumb as I'm not the dumb gooch that you think I am. To be clear, I was not fired. Will you call me soon? I do miss talking with you. You haven't called in a while. Will you call me? Yeah. I'm going to call you on New Year's Eve. Okay. And what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Nothing. I'm going down to D.C. watch the stamp drop. Randy is actually going to be self-publishing a book about himself in a few months. The backstory is kind of wild. He's been letting an aspiring writer live in his townhouse for free while the kid writes Randy's life story. So you can get the latest on that project by following Randy on Twitter. He's at Randy is Demand. I'm on Twitter. Randy is Demand. D-A-M-A-N. Randy is Demand. So who would my secret boyfriend actually be? I had one more guy to call up. Uh, yep, I'm here. Do you guys remember Bumble Mike? We're, we're, we're gonna let the secret out? Before we do that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And I have Bumble Mike on the line. He showed up in a series we did on Bumble, And then he went on a boat cruise hosted by The League with me. I called him up to check in. How's it going? Uh, Not too bad. Uh, How about you? I'm good. So um, now's the time we can tell everyone that you've been my secret boyfriend this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to let the secret out? No, we are not. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I think a lot of people have suspected that we've been secretly dating. And I just want to make it clear that we're friends. We are we are friends. Uh, yeah, I'm not the secret boyfriend. Do you think I've had a secret boyfriend? A part of me thinks that's that's a possibility. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think I think you uh, you you probably have. Hmm. You're right. I wasn't trying very hard on that league boat cruise, was I? <laughs> I knew something was up. Well, listeners will have to stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out. So, update from you. Are you still really into boats? Uh, I think I'm kind of over boats now. Um, what? Yeah, someone told me they're a pretty bad investment, um, and I kind of think Bitcoin is a smarter choice. It seems like a really good time to get in right now. Cool. So if we went on, if we went to another league event, <laughs> that could be the small talk you'd make with everyone. Yeah, I'll be that that super cool guy who keeps talking about Bitcoin. Everybody loves that guy. The secret purpose of the show is to help me meet some weird friends. It's worked. You should see my blockchain. Also, somewhat relevant to Bumble Mike, a Wall Street Journal reporter named Stu Wu recently tweeted at me. He just interviewed the Bumble CEO, Whitney Wolf, who told him that Bumble's algorithm does show you the 10 most popular people around you. Really? Yeah. So I was right. So I, I made the top 10? Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that is my friend, just a friend, Bumble Mike. Thank you for uh, like having me on your, your show for the past year or so. Um, it's been a lot of fun.
So let's just imagine this secret boyfriend plot for a bit. I would have had to meet someone a few months ago. Someone named, I don't know, Dan. Dan's an architect. The kind of guy who looks great in a collared shirt with the sleeves rolled up, or just wearing some flannel, chopping wood. On our third date, at this tiny Italian restaurant in the village, his mom walked by, and he chased her down the street, invited her to join us for some wine, and now she's my best friend. And it's crazy, but after just a couple months of dating, I got bed bugs, and I had to move out of my apartment, and that same week, his roommate Neil got a job in Cleveland, so I just moved in with Dan. We live together now, and I love it. I mean, sure, we fight all the time, but only about who gets to cook dinner. And don't tell him, but I think he might be a better cook than me. And in a few weeks, for the new year, we're going on vacation. And I think he's going to propose. I found a ring in his suitcase. And it's really good timing, because... (laughs) Um... My period's late. And I know he's going to be happy about it. We already have a Google Doc ready and full of possible names for our kid. So if this is all true about me and Dan and little Dandrea, wouldn't that give the narrative arc of this show a satisfying payoff? Like how Hannah becomes a mom at the end of Girls, how Carrie ends up with Big at the end of Sex in the City, and how in the very last strip of the Kathy comic... Kathy and Irving show up at her parents' house and announce that they're pregnant. For so many women, our stories, as told through popular culture, end when we become wives and mothers. Can YOI really go on hiatus if I'm still alone? I have so many people to thank. Thank you, Lindsay Cradwell, for working so hard on the show with me. Thank you, Hilary Frank, for helping me grow. Congrats to Teddy Blanks, who does the fantastic show art for the show, and Casey Holford, who wrote this theme song for us. You guys both got married this year, and I'm so happy for you. Thank you, Andy Miklas, for writing our intro and being a great friend. Same to you, Lee Rosefear. And everyone at Panoply and Slate, I hate that we're not working together anymore. You guys are amazing. If you stay and subscribe to this podcast feed, we're going to be back from time to time with updates, like new shows you might want to check out. And don't worry, we can still hang. We can still talk about dating. And in a few weeks, I'll be sharing the news of the new show I'm going to be hosting on social media. I'm at Andres Lenzi on Twitter and Instagram. So who here thinks Dan is real? I get it. I get why there's something satisfying about thinking about me and Dan. Like if this was a show with closing credits, You want to see me leap onto his lap, give him a little kiss, while he tossles my hair. What about this for closing credits? It's just me, walking down the street, happy about a podcast. Happy I met you.